You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Howard. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley, your host. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. And before we get to the show today, we've got to give a big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. The NFL is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for Week 1. Just bet $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right, DraftKings is giving all new players... $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more in any Week 1 game. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all of the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game with the same game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any Week 1 game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. Since the last time we spoke, not too much changed, of course. The Oilers did introduce their new COVID-19 health and safety requirements for games in the upcoming season. So some pretty big news there on the ice, though. Not a whole lot changing with the roster. Still no signing for Kyler Yamamoto. But we're going to talk about all that and more with our next guest, Dean Millard, a fixture in the Edmonton sports scene for a long time. I used to work with him at TSN 1260. Now he's running the show with UFF Sports, also Podcast Alley. You can give him a follow on Twitter, at Duck Millard. Dino, thanks again for doing this today. How are you doing? I am excellent, Connor. Always glad to uh, chat with you, especially when we're talking about hockey in August, which is uh, happens all the time in Edmonton, and I'm sure it happens in all the American sports markets too. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I think the Anaheim Ducks and San Jose Sharks, the Coyotes, <laughs> Panthers, their podcasts going strong still. So you know, we got to keep up with them, Dino. And uh, yeah. the, the big news today uh, coming down: the OEG announcing their COVID nineteen health and safety requirements. And uh, I think you and I probably on the same page here, probably a good sign. You'll need proof of your COVID-19 vaccination at least 14 days before the game or a negative COVID-19 test result in the last 48 hours. Uh, I mean, seeing this around the NHL and not just the NHL, but most sports uh, where they're not being required with the vaccines, they have to wear masks. Uh, were you surprised at all by this announcement from OEG on Tuesday morning? Not at all, Connor. I mean, the the... The Vegas Raiders, uh, Las Vegas Raiders, announced that recently. You, you've mentioned a lot of other teams. I believe the Stampeders. I don't know. I haven't heard if the Elks have done it uh, in the CFL. I know some other CFL teams, but this didn't surprise me at all. I think, you know, w- whether you like it or not, and, and depending on what side of this you're on, this is the new reality that we live in. It's going to be a reality for travel. It's going to be a reality for entertainment, whether that's sporting events, concerts, or whatever. It is for at least the next little while. I don't know if it'll be forever, but for a while, it is our new reality. So uh, it didn't surprise me, and, and I have zero problem with it. Now, like, 
I, I have no problem admitting I'm fully vaccinated, so I'll have no issues going to games. I've got that app on my phone where, where I have proof my Alberta health. I think mm-hmm. it's pretty easy yeah. to get if anyone out there wants to get it for these upcoming games. But could you imagine if you were a season ticket holder, you didn't want to get the vaccination, and you had to provide <laughs> test results 41 times. Now, there's probably some back-to-back nights where you know you could get it the day before, and it would cover you for both games. But I've had the COVID test three times, twice with the throat, one up the nose. It's not a pleasant experience. I mean, if I was a season ticket holder, I don't know how happy I'd be about this one if I wasn't vaccinated. Yeah, uh, and and the good thing is, is you would be free to sell your season ticket uh, <laughs> if you didn't like it, because this is a private organization making a decision. Um, I'm sure if you want to get in to watch a CHL game this year, you're going to have to be vaccinated. Um, I, I think double vaccinated and things like that. I think this is just the beginning for the next little while. But you also are not being forced to go. So mm-hmm. if a person, as upsetting as it would be, they would they would I guess just choose not uh, to to attend those events if they're if they're not double vaccinated or provide get those tests. It's going to be the same for travel. But I'm like you. I don't think I would want 41, 42 tests and then playoffs. Playoffs. You're talking about playoffs and oh my goodness, uh, you, you're getting a lot of COVID tests potentially. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm watching the the debate right now on Twitter right now when the announcement was made. Just, you know, knowing what I was getting into going into the comments section and that a lot of people seem to think it's your right to be uh, at an Oilers game, which obviously not the case. And uh, if if you're like that, hey, you're watching from home and that's not bad either. I, I personally don't mind watching games from the couch where, you know, food and drinks are a lot cheaper. The bathroom line is never nearly as long. It's pretty convenient. So uh, I applaud the Oilers for making this decision. I I had heard originally they were going to wait a little bit longer, but I think the decision down in Calgary kind of, you know, forced their hand and good on the organization for for putting this out there and letting everyone know well ahead of the season. Now, Dino talking, it's about the team on the ice. And uh, like I said in my little ramble there before we got you on, uh, Kyler Yamamoto, the one missing piece for this team, obviously a RFA coming off a year where he had struggled, uh, especially five on five, uh, only eight goals in 52 games, coming off a year where he scored 11 in only 27 games. Uh, what do you think it looks like for Kyler Yamamoto, Yamamoto when it comes to the contract negotiations? Well, I think I don't know how much uh, leverage he really has. You, you just you just talked about you know the the overall numbers. You know, we've seen Kyler Yamamoto have a really successful stretch, um, and that was with one of the best players in the world. And and I still think I, I would still like to see the Oilers sort of go back to to that. But I, I can't imagine this drags out. I mean, I I, I just don't see Kyler Yamamoto having that much of an advantage. Um, now, he, he might want to be doing something really, really short so he can get back and, and, and go because if he's signing any kind of a long-term deal, uh, I'm, I'm not sure he has the upper hand. So if I'm Kyle Yamamoto, I'm, I'm signing a shorter-term deal. I'm, I'm you know, this is not the, the same situation, but I'm looking at a guy like Jesse Fulyarvi, who was almost written off from this organization, came back, you know, proved himself uh, and, and, you know, got back on track. And, Yamamoto isn't that far off track as maybe uh, Poliari was because he was in a different country, but he's certainly not on the projection we thought he was would be at this point. So I, I think this gets done fairly quickly. I, I don't know why this would drag out uh, any longer because I'm not sure 
you know, projection, we all think Kyler Yamamoto is going to be a good player, and there have been good stretches, but not enough of them, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, you, you look at it, I can't see Ken Holland going out there and making any more moves, really. I don't think he has the cap space to do so, knowing that he has to sign Kyler Yamamoto, maybe some PTOs or something like that, but it's something that does have to get done. When you look at Kyler Yamamoto in the lineup next year, uh, the Oilers added a lot to their top nine. Is he a lock to be in your top six, on that probably on that second line with Nuge and Dreisaitl? I think he's a lock to start there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not, uh, I don't know, I, you know, I think everybody's uh, initial thought process is that Nugent Hopkins and, and or sorry, that Hyman is going to play with uh, McDavid and, and Jesse Pogliarvi probably. So I think he's a lock to start there, uh, unless something strange were to happen. But there is some some competition. Um, you know, Derek Ryan can push up into your second Ryan in a in a in a pinch. He's a very very small pinch. He's 34 years old. He's not the same Derek Ryan he was when he came out of the UFA, but still able to, uh, I think, jump up a, a, a little bit. You know, we'll see what Ryan McLeod can do um, in different situations. Another guy that they'll uh, they'll be uh, forced to uh, resign next year. He'll be in the same situation as Yamamoto. But I do think he is a guy to start there. I don't know where uh, Zach Cassian fits in in this lineup anymore. Um, but, you know, when healthy, there's a guy who we've obviously seen play in the top six. So, But I would think he starts there. What about you? Isn't, is like, isn't that just a, you know, you, you kind of have a, a bit of a, a turnkey turn top six right now that maybe you move some parts around every once in a while. But I would think you're going into the season, everybody expects, the same six players to be in the top six for the Edmonton Oilers, maybe the odd stretch here and there during the season. But to start the season, I think they have their top six. I think you could write it in pen almost, unless something drastic happens in training camp. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you with that one. Like McDavid, Zach Hyman, uh, Jesse Pugliarvi on the top line almost seems automatic. Like I, I just don't see how you go away from that one to start the season off. Then that second line, which I know, I know Dave Tippett had some some almost hesitancy to put it back together. But Yamamoto, Nugent, Drysaddle. I think with the addition of Hyman, you don't need uh, Leon Drysaddle on that top line. So yeah, I think the top six. Put it down in pen to start the year, but I guess I I would say I'm not necessarily 100% convinced that Kyler Yamamoto is going to stay there all year, and you know maybe that's just a sign of good depth from this organization that they brought in a few more pieces that could potentially you know make Kyler Yamamoto earn that and and keep doing what he did, but. He was still efficient, I thought, in what he was doing last year, just having trouble finding the net. Like, he's still got to be a pain in the ass to play against because the guy's motor is nonstop. Yeah, I, I, I think he's, like I said, I think he should be in your top six. And, you, you know, during the season, you know pieces are going to be intertwined. But, you know, I don't see any reason. And while you're right, he, he struggled to put up points. He wasn't atrocious, um, you know. He he is a guy who definitely isn't like your holy man. This guy was so bad he doesn't deserve another shot. <laughs> he at the very least deserves to get the start in the top six, and then and then you go from there beyond, right? You know, you go into training camp as a top six guy, and how you come out of training camp and the rest of the season is kind of up to you. Yeah, exactly. And he he was never invisible. There was a, never a game where you thought, okay, I didn't see him. Like he's always in there on the forecheck. He's always uh, separating pucks from players, which is great to see. But I think when you're in that top six, eventually there is kind of a a pressure and expectation to put up a certain amount of points. Now, given a full year or whatever it is, if it is the majority of the games with Leon Draisaitl, 
I think those points are going to come. Like it's, it just seems almost too easy when you're playing with a guy that good. You know, yeah. get the puck to him, go to the net. Good things are going to happen, and he showed that he can put the puck in the net. So yeah, he's going to be a fun guy to watch for this year, and we'll see what happens. Whether it's a one-two, we'll see what happens with the contract. Now that third line, Dino, uh, that's kind of where it gets interesting for me. Like the the top six, like you said, pretty much locked in there with Penn, but you've got McLeod and Derek Ryan who could battle for the center position. I think Warren Fogel probably gets the lock as the third line left wing but what do you think uh what do you think that one looks like on opening night yeah you, you also have that cassian mm-hmm. um as, as a healthy option um i know we saw devon shore uh, a little bit here and there and i'll be interesting to see you know what uh, uh brendan perlini uh, might be able to bring he's on a really really cheap contract um so i don't know he's got some decent size I don't know uh, if you're depending on, you know, you're depending on this guy for a lot of offense, which kind of becomes the problem. And I think he has had some double-digit goal seasons, but that was in the past. But, you know, you, you, you're you obviously the bulk of your offense, and certainly for the Oilers, uh, comes from the top two lines, and in a lot of cases, the top two players. So you don't need the third line. You don't need a 25-goal scorer on your third line, but you need your third line to be able to add up to 25, 30 goals or more and, and chip in and get some points. And so it's not the primary uh, offensive, but they have to be there when the odd time that the top two lines aren't going and, and chip in when they even are going as extra support and, and things like that. So you're, you're going to have to have guys that, that are going to be able to find it. You know, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing – if Ryan McLeod can take them this this opportunity and and really solidify himself as a as a guy who can play you know those sort of bottom six roles uh, but also provide some offense and contribute and 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 create some offense with whatever line mates he is with, uh, you know I think your your bottom six lines traditionally if if it's my team or you know have a little bit of an ability to be an irritant or an, an aggressor and. Uh, with the ability to be defensively responsible and, and score the odd goal. Whereas your top two lines, they have a little bit more rope, right? As far as, okay, you, you might give up a goal here and there, but you're going to produce three or four goals a game or, or as a line, maybe. You, you mentioned Perlini, and that's the one uh, that, that's really intriguing to me because it's almost a, a no-risk potential high reward situation a guy who like you said he scored double digit goals three separate times in his career obviously his time in Detroit was pretty bad I had Helene St. James on the podcast a couple weeks ago she covers the team for the Detroit Free Press and she was not too fond of him and and I asked if it was you know bad luck or just kind of snake bitten and she said no like he wasn't getting opportunities he wasn't going to the hard areas but he goes spends a season in Europe do you think you're gonna have a guy this year who is motivated knowing that this could be the final chance to to make it in the NHL? Hundred percent. His he's playing. I think his, it's like a seven hundred thousand dollar or whatever the minimum might be contract. And you know, it's it's not very often that you can have a really bad experience, end up in Europe, and then end up on a team with two of the best players in the game. I mean, this is a real opportunity for him to a not just get another contract, but get another contract on a team that theoretically should be on the way up. So I, this is a huge opportunity for him. And, you know, hopefully he is a little bit more motivated than what those in Detroit saw from him. Yeah, I mean, I, I just look at it. A guy obviously highly touted, drafted, what, 12th overall by the Coyotes, had success, went to Chicago, had success. It's almost that dream situation for him, going to a place where, like you said, 
McDavid, Dreisaitl, if he can find a way to get on one of those two lines and, and get up into that position, then it's going to be great. And I think the the odds are probably against him not being an Oilers guy, but I think that's really going to be a fun one to watch this upcoming season. Now, there are a few guys, kind of bubble players, who, who've had success in the AHL and might be fighting for roster spots next season with the big club. And, you know, the two that obviously stand out, Tyler Benson, the former second-round pick, and Cooper Marodi, who led the AHL in scoring last season. Uh, what do you think those guys have to do to make that next jump and, and join the big club in the NHL? Um, I, I Truthfully, I... I, I get they have to outplay somebody in training camp. I think you're you're going into this with uh, spots already given out. I I I think I, like I, I look at a lot of these guys. Dave Tippett has confidence in them. Somebody's going to have to struggle, and they're those two guys are going to have to outplay them. Now they might be the first call up, but something is going to have have to. Uh, um, I think go wrong for somebody else, or they're just going to have such a good camp, the Oilers are going to be like, we can't send them down. Now, I mean, you, you covered, the, well, you still covered prospects with Craig Button for a long time. You were alongside Gabe Flaming on the Pipeline show. Uh, Tyler Benson, a local guy, a lot of hype when he was drafted, uh, went to the Vancouver Giants, and for a while there had a hard time staying healthy. But when you go back to what you saw from him as a young player, like, what do you think he can be at the NHL level and, and just, you know, with that development path that he's gone on? Yeah, I think he's a bottom six guy. Uh, I think he can be a third liner. I, I I think probably there's, you know, I think there was some questions about him skating. I, I haven't seen him play um, in in quite a while, so I can't really comment whether it's really improved. But I, I think, unfortunately, the development has stalled a little bit. Um, but he has a good camp. He plays his way in. You know, the guy does have offensive instincts, so he is a guy defensively responsible that fits that third-line mold. Um, so I don't know. I just I don't know who he has to outplay or who has to struggle in camp for him to get that chance. But there, there'll be an opportunity for him, sure. You know, looking at the back end now, and I, I mean, I think we're all pretty confident, content with that, that top pairing of Darnell Nurse, Tyson Berry. We know what we're going to be getting out of them. But when you look at the second pairing, Pezzled in Duncan Keith and Cody Cece, are you confident that those two can be a shutdown pairing uh, at the NHL level at this stage of their careers? No. <laughs> That's a short answer. I, you know, if you could somehow, if you had Oscar Clefbaum with Duncan Keith, I would have no problem with it. I am not I'm not confident in Duncan Keith being a top four guy at this point of his career. And I would say the same thing with Cody Cece. And I don't know if he'll ever get to that point in his career. I mean, Cody Cece, he went to a really good situation and looked good. And then he paid, he, he cashed in with a deal. So I'm not convinced if that's your number two or number three and four guys, um, that, that, that would scare, that does scare me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if that was your number three pairing, maybe you're yeah. confident. It'd be extremely overpaid, but you might be a little bit more confident with it. And I'm with you. Like, I, 
part of me, part of me, the fan in me wants to see them succeed, but the media member in me wants to see what happens and, and just, you know, the, the craziness that could ensue when it comes to what could happen and how bad it could be because Duncan Keith to me is the great unknown. Like, yeah, we know the track record's solid, but the last few years in Chicago playing with a younger defenseman, it wasn't very good. And, uh, I had a Seth Rohrbaugh on a couple weeks ago getting a scouting report on Cody Cece and it was kind of like, it, it, he wasn't hating the player, but you know he wasn't giving necessarily a ringing endorsement. It was kind of wait and see what happens. So that that pairing to me is going to be very intriguing. And I think the one guy that a lot of people are counting on and hoping that can take that next step would be Evan Bouchard. And uh, I've had guests on this show say that they think even he could jump into that fourth uh, top four actually at some point this year, as early as December. What are your expectations for Bouchard, and, and what do you think he brings to this team from day one? Well, I think that's what you just described is. He takes that step into that second pairing. I think uh, you've got a, a. I think he's got to be close to 22 now, so you're getting a mature player that uh, is, is has really good offensive instincts, makes smart plays, will learn, uh, will have to learn the defensive game uh, as he grows at the the, the next levels. But I, I, I think that's a great um, kind of a plan or blueprint or projection. And if it doesn't happen, you're not too disappointed because if he's not ready to be in that top four, okay, then then he's not ready. But then you know he's getting closer. So I think that's a really kind of that would be a great soft launch if for him in the top four in December and if you had to push it back to next year where he's really ready, you're not too disappointed. But I, I think that's great. And Evan Bouchard uh, with this team, uh, you've got guys like Darnell Nurse and – Tyson Berry for at least a couple more years, but but long term, this top four is going to belong to Bouchard, Broberg, Nurse, um, you know Samarukov, maybe some of these guys, right? That are, are 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 coming along. So that's a good projection. I would love to to track Bouchard and see if he's on that pace to be even a number four guy. If he's if he's game is coming along, if he's got that calm demeanor. Maybe he steps in and takes that place of Cody Cece if Cody Cece is your uh, number four guy to start the season. And then Cody Cece becomes a overpaid third liner. And, yep. you know, I, I look at the left wing, or sorry, the left side of that third pairing, and it, it, to me it could be a revolving door unless someone grabs it. But you got Slater Cuckoo, you got uh, Chris Russell, the veteran presence, and, and a young Willie Legison who are probably going to be battling for that third spot unless someone else is brought in. Is is there anyone for you that stands out that would probably be the best fit, especially when you're looking at playing with uh, Evan Bouchard? Yeah, I would go William Lagesson. I think he's defensively responsible. I think he's tough. He's hard to play against. Um, so, you know, he's, he's not going to do tough. Like Bouchard Lagesson are almost like a, a poor man's coffee huddy you know Evan Bouchard can do uh, if, if they want to get offensive and William Lagesson takes care of things so I think that'd be a really good pairing two young guys that could maybe get you really used to playing with each other and and you know move up as a pairing I don't know if William Lagesson ever has top four potential but I would I would like to see that uh, those two guys together for sure but when you talk about Maybe CC being a, an expensive number five, six guy. Well, that fits in with their mode because their backup goalie makes four and a half million. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a second. But I, I just want to tell you, the president of the Willie Legison fan club, Jason Strudwick, loves that answer. He he's got high hopes for Willie Legison. So uh... I, I've been a fan of him since I went to the 2015 World Juniors, which featured Nurse and 
and McDavid, and I was like, this guy, you know, he he was not afraid to tattoo somebody with a Sherwood on their back and, and make sure that they knew he was there. And I was like, I really like this guy. When the Oilers drafted him, I was, was really excited. So uh, I, I think he's a, a really good young, tough, defensive defenseman that I thought was kind of like a, a good guy to learn from William uh, from Adam Larson when he was here. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think that's kind of the mold he would be in. And uh, if you saw it back then, Strutty sees it now, then I, I think that's a good thing. And even if he is a, a solid third-pairing defenseman, like there's nothing wrong with that. We don't need to push him to the top four. If he can hold down that spot, that's one thing that's taken care of. Uh, Dino, you're the goalie guy. Uh, you talked about the overpaid backup goalie kind of right now, fitting fitting status quo for the Edmonton Oilers. I, I know you don't like to bury because you are a, a card-carrying member of the goalie union, but, I mean, this, this goaltending situation, is this what you thought we would see heading into 2021 after last year? Yeah, if Peter Chiarelli was still running the team, but no. Um, I thought Koskinen would be bought out. You know, it's it's the last year of the deal, I like Mike Smith. Do you, you know what Mike Smith reminds me of? You know that uh, that gift that's out there from the Titanic, where she's like, "It's been a hundred and eight years or whatever." <laughs> like, I think you could put Mike Smith in that gift in like 2050, and he's still like signing with the Oilers. So, this is not at all what I saw. Like, here are the ages of the Oilers goalie. 33, 39, and Alex Daylock is 34. Like, does that say future to you at all? So I was not envisioning this. Uh, I'm shocked that Mikko Koskinen wasn't uh, bought out. Now, the goaltending situation for the Edmonton Oilers going forward, uh, you know, they they do have Stuart Skinner, and, and I guess there's a lot of people that are, you know, hoping he can pan out, but do you think they need to look into free agency or or via trade, maybe out in Columbus to try to find somebody, or you know, maybe you know, they're looking at this past draft, uh, Wallstead they passed on. Like, what do you think is the future plans for this goaltending situation in Edmonton? Because they they look like they've got the stars up front. They've got a a blue line where you know maybe it's good enough to get you there, but the goaltending posi- position it. It's got me with a lot of questions, and I don't know if the future's there with the, the prospects that they have. Yeah, uh, you've got uh, Konovalov, yeah. who I think is the oldest of their goaltending prospects, and then Olivier Rodriguez and Stuart Skinner. I like Stuart Skinner, and I loved Olivier Rodriguez in his draft. I don't know enough about uh, Konovalov, but those are the three guys you're banking on. If you took those three names to scouts out there and said, you know, do you see any of these guys as being a number one goalie? I'm not sure you're getting unanimous yeses. That's not to say that somebody can't, you know, develop and and become a good goaltender, but I just don't think that there's other organizations looking at the Oilers' goaltending depth of the future saying, man, those guys have a Vesna Trophy winner there. <laughs> with you, with that one. Uh, hoping for the best, but uh, sure. kind of expecting the worst. And, and you, you, don't, you don't need a Vesna Trophy winner. You just need a good goalie. I mean, if you have two of the best players in the world offensively, you just need a guy to stop the first shot of the game, mostly, and then let the team get in a groove from there. One of those things that uh, Miko Koskinen definitely had a hard time with last yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Dino, just looking at the Pacific Division, obviously with expansion in Seattle, a little bit shifting. You've got the Ducks, Flames, Kings, 
San Jose Sharks, Kraken, Canucks, and Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, was there a team that stood out to you in that division that had a really good offense that you think maybe takes a big step? Um, maybe minus Seattle because obviously they'll, they'll take a pretty big step in their point total this year. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm not a guy who would ever count Vegas out. Um, and they're they're constantly shuffling to the point where you're wondering, are they making too many moves? Um, and I'll be interested to see what the Canucks have done with uh, some of their moves. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of what the Flames have done, and there's, there's still lots of work. Who knows? But uh, I, I honestly think what the Oilers have done, bringing in a, a, a guy like Hyman and keeping uh, Nugent Hopkins and, and Barry, I think that uh, now that they have a bona fide top six, I, I like what they've done as far as the offseason moves. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. Like, I, I think Hyman's going to be a really good player, especially in the first four years of the contract. Maybe down the road we, we have some questions, but sure. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens here with the Oilers, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, now that we're, we're getting closer, uh, we, we know what's going to happen. If you want to go to a game, you must be double vaccinated or a negative mm-hmm. test in the last 48 hours. The last real check mark is Kyler Yamamoto. So we'll wait and see when that happens. I think at the end of every show I've done for the last two weeks, I've said maybe the next episode we'll have a Kyler Yamamoto contract because that would finally give us something to talk about. We're still waiting. Uh, Dino, thanks so much for doing this today. I really appreciate it. No problem, my man. I always love talking uh, sports, whatever it is with you and I hope to be talking about uh, scouting football players with you a lot because I need to get you in. Trish has been hounding me to find me her or find her a football scout in the ultimate uh, fan, franchise fantasy sports platform that I'm in. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch you. I'm gonna try to assign you, and then you're gonna find the future of fantasy football players for us, and we'll all be on a beach drinking mai tais someday. Well, I mean, I I will say I I'm expensive and i like to see guys in person so you might have to fly me out to alabama you know i'll watch the crimson tide uh yeah i'll be last row that's okay i can you know watch with my my uh whatever i i, I they can't even think of the word right now but you know I'll, I'll, binoculars. binoculars that's it that's the one i'll be zoomed in watching the you know the third string receiver to see who might be looking good in a couple of years uh the uff i mean that that seems to be growing we've talked about it before but uh the fantasy sports world Huge already, but it looks like the UFF's taking it even further. Yeah, Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports is the future of fantasy, and it's here. Um, you know Dustin Nielsen very well from the hallways of TSN 1260. <laughs> he just finished, along with the other 31 GMs in our football league, a 53-round draft. Went three days long. It's wild. Um, you know, if, as a scout, if you get involved in it, you're you're listing players and then you're auctioning them off to these teams. It's wild stuff. It is wild stuff. Chris Carter, Michael Vick, uh, Terrence Crawford, the boxer, they're co-owners of a team. Nick Lewis, CFL Hall of Famer, he's a uh, owner of a team. So uh, the uh, there's a there's a group of NHLers that have formed together that have bought a team. There's just some really really cool stuff. So we have a lot of th- neat things going on. UFF Sports. Dot com is where people can find a little bit more information and get in the game where you own the game. And for me, I always go at UFF Sports on Twitter. That's the easiest way. They got there the links go. and everything set up. Uh, man, the 53-round fantasy draft. Chris Carter's group had the first-round pick, or the first overall pick, eh? 
Yeah, they took Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> That's probably a good guy to have with uh, with your you know franchise. Who went number two? Justin Herbert. Yeah. Did that surprise you? Some people were really surprised. I'm like, he is the reigning rookie of the year, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He came off a year where he broke the record for touchdown passes. Now, Trevor Lawrence could break that with that extra game this year, so we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, he's got got the targets there. He's got a a new offensive coordinator. They want to kind of build that offense around him. Coming off a guy, it's uh, Joe Lombardi, who was the Saints offensive coordinator or quarterback coach. So, I mean... That that offense with the Saints was really good with Drew Brees for a long time. If you could have had him in his second year with that team, you probably would take it. So, yeah, I mean, hey, I, I just kind of threw that name out there because I'm a biased Chargers fan, but uh, good to hear people people are buying into the hype. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought Jake Allen might have been that second quarterback, yeah. but you're also looking at the cap, too, right now, and that contract for uh, Allen is, or Josh Allen yeah. is... Uh, if Jake Allen's not getting that kind of a contract in St. Louis, but Josh <laughs> Allen certainly is. But yeah, I'd love to talk more about with you down the road, and uh, I enjoy talking hockey with you all the time, Connor. Oh, we will be talking about that very shortly. Dino, thanks for doing this. No problem. There you go. Great stuff from Dean Millard, longtime fixture in the Edmonton media scene. We're talking all things Edmonton Oilers. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at DuckMillard. Big time UFF sports guy right there. And it's very intriguing. Like you said, check out their website. Check them out on Twitter. It's very cool. And Dino's been on me to, to get into the NFL scouting. So that's something I might be getting into in the future. We'll see what happens with that one. But that's going to do it for another edition of the Other Connor Podcast. As I've been saying for the last couple of weeks now, maybe, just maybe, on Friday's show, we'll have a Kyler Yamamoto contract. We'll wait and see what happens with that one. But that is kind of the final thing for Ken Holland to get off in his checklist in this offseason, got to give a big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. If you're signing up today, make sure you use promo code THPN. Also, the Hockey Podcast Network. Big thank you to everyone out there for making this podcast happen. It is the Other Connor Podcast. I'll talk to you next time. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.